John chapter 3, verse 31. John chapter 3 and verse 31. If you need to know the condition of your car, you take it to a good, trustworthy mechanic, right? If you need to know the condition of your computer, you take it to a good IT professional, right? Uh, if you need to know the condition of your soul, you take it to Jesus. Because only Jesus truly knows the hearts of men. Uh, we need to know what Jesus has to say about our soul. We need to know what he has to say about our future. Because ultimately, our souls will last forever. Uh, we will be in one of two places. We'll be in heaven or we'll be in hell. Did you know Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven? I know there are many people that want to deny hell today. But uh, just because you deny the truth doesn't make it any less the truth. Jesus tells us about these places, and this scripture we're going to look at today gives us some information about who Jesus is so that we can know why we should trust him. Now, this is good for you as a child of God because you need to know why you can trust Jesus. But it's also good to use uh, in your discussions with lost people because Lost people need to understand why they can trust Jesus. What is it about Jesus that makes him stand apart from everybody else? That's a good question to ask. And that question is answered in this scripture today. So we need to trust Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, look with me at verse 31. The title of my message is, Why Trust Jesus? Okay, verse 31 says, Then the one who comes from above is above all. The one who comes from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For the one whom God sent speaks God's words, since he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God remains on him. On him. By the way, did you know there's many people that want to do away with the wrath of God? They say the wrath of God is an Old Testament idea and shouldn't be talked about among Christians. Listen, I want to tell you the wrath of God is right here in the New Testament. Uh, and the wrath of God is one of the main reasons Jesus had to come. Because God is not neutral toward our sin. He hates our sin. He loves us, but he hates our sin. Uh, and so, um, so why trust Jesus? Well, first of all, trust him because of his supernatural existence. His supernatural existence. Look at verse 31. The one who comes from above. Now, Jesus has just finished having an extended discussion with Nicodemus about you need to be born 
again. But the word again in most English translations actually is the same identical word as the one I've just read to you from above. It means the same thing. It could be translated either way. Born from above. Born of God. Jesus is the one from above. Now, I was born in Jefferson City, Tennessee. I was raised most of my growing up years in Alcoa, Tennessee. So you could say I'm from Tennessee, right? I'm not from above. I'm from Tennessee, <laughs> okay? Uh, Jesus is from a different location. Jesus is from above. But he's not only from above in terms of his location. He's from above in terms of his essence and who he is. He is God. You see, you and I are human beings and uh, we're made in the image of God and praise God for it. But Jesus was not just a human being. He was the God-man. He was from above. And because of who he is as God the Son, Jesus is more trustworthy than any man. Now, um, some of you know people who will lie to you on purpose. I knew a few people like that when I was growing up. They would do that just for kicks. You know, they'd try to get you to believe something so that they could have a good laugh. Others will tell you something, but they're mistaken. They, they didn't understand it right in the first place, so what they tell you isn't reliable. Some people will tell you something because they've forgotten what the true story is. And uh, so they tell you something, you know, that's kind of off the wall that doesn't really correspond with truth. But none of those things applies to Jesus. Jesus is perfectly true as God the Son. He's perfectly righteous. So his testimony is always genuinely true. Uh, he is never mistaken because he's omniscient. So, he always knows exactly what the truth is, and he never forgets. Some of you say, well, I think my spouse never forgets. <laughs> but, but uh, No, Jesus never forgets, not in a bad sense, but he never forgets in terms of he knows everything all the time. So, we can trust what he says because of who he is. And so that's important. Um, his supernatural existence. So trust Jesus because of his supernatural existence. Second, trust him because of his divine ability. His divine ability. Verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all. Now, the idea of being above all, well, you say he comes from above all, well, of course he's above all. Uh, if he's up there, he's above us, you know. But, uh, but he's talking about more than just location. He's talking about his ability. That he is above all could be translated, he is superior to all. Okay? Okay. Uh, when I used to watch the Chicago Bulls play basketball years ago, when Michael Jordan played for them, he was above all 
the other players that played the game, in my opinion. Okay? You can argue with me after the service. But I believe he was the best. I believe he's the best ball player to ever play in terms of basketball. But definitely with those he played with, I, I never saw anybody that could do what he did with a basketball. Jesus is above all, but he's above all on a whole different level. He is above all because he is God the Son, and we are men and women. He is above all. We're finite. He's infinite. We're limited in knowledge. He's infinite in knowledge. We're limited in power. He's unlimited in power. If you look long enough, you can find somebody who can stand against you. No one can stand against him. He is above all. His divine ability is one reason we should trust him. Jesus can do anything that is not against his nature or against his purpose. Anything. Uh, So as we call upon his name, as we pray and we seek the face of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, he is not only desiring to help us in life, but he is able to deliver. Hallelujah. He can deliver you from, he can deliver you through, but he is our great deliverer. So, um, his divine ability, his divine ability. If you look at, if you look at people who are great at art, um, I never have been great at art. I just have to, I'm not. Uh, Both my siblings are good at it. Uh, They can draw and paint, and my sister can sculpt. I mean, (laughs) I can't do any of it. Gene passed me by. Uh, But I can appreciate the ability that they have. Or perhaps um, you're listening to a great scholar who uh, has a grasp of, of the truth in his or her field that, uh, that can, can speak to an issue with authority and understanding like you've never heard before. Um, perhaps you are uh, looking at somebody who just is able to deal with a mechanical problem or, or whatever the problem may be. Uh, we look at these things and we recognize this person is special in this area. This person has a unique gift from God. But Jesus is special in every area. He is uniquely gifted in every facet of life. Do you need help with your family? Go to Jesus. Do you need help with your spiritual life? You need a, to restoke the flame? Go to Jesus. Do you need help overcoming your sin? Go to Jesus. Do you need help finding hope? Go to Jesus. <laughs> uh, whatever it is that you need, there's nothing that can tax His power because His power is unlimited. He has divine ability. He is above all. So why trust Jesus? Trust Him because of His supernatural existence. Trust Him because of His divine ability. Next, trust Him because of His superior 
message, his superior message. The latter part of verse 31 says, The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. Now, he's, he's picking up after the discussion that John the Baptist had with, the, with his disciples, right? And John is saying, look, I am the forerunner. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one to come. And there's this comparison contrast going on. And I believe, some believe it's John the Baptist continuing to talk here. I believe it's John the Apostle, the Gospel writer, that takes up this paragraph we're looking at today and is making some additional comments on what John has said. But regardless, uh, it's a comparison. And he says, what is of man is man. The one born of man, is he's of man. But the one who comes from above is from God. And he, he testifies, verse 32 says, to what he has seen and heard. Now, Jesus' superior message is because Jesus understands truth as no one else does. Not just because of his omniscience, but because he has been immersed in it for eternity past. Moses wanted to see the face of God, but God said, you can't see my face and live. And he, he put his hand over Moses. He passed by Moses. He let Moses see the back of his glory. Elijah, when he saw the presence of God, he wrapped his garment around his head so that he wouldn't see the glory of God and die. Daniel, in his great visions of Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, saw Jesus in visionary terms, but not in his fullness, because no man can see him and live. He saw him in picture and symbol, and, 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 and the power that was represented there was clear. But Daniel could not look on the face of God, but Jesus not only looked upon the face of God, he was God. He stood... Uh, you, you remember the description in various places of the Bible that speaks about the, the cherubim, the seraphim, uh, surrounding the presence of God. You know, they, they have the two wings to fly and two, they cover their face because they don't want to look at God either. They'll die. Uh, they cover their feet and then they're flying. But they're blocking the glory of God from everybody else because it's a dangerous thing to see the glory of God. That's how powerful he is. Jesus sat in the middle of the seraphim. Jesus heard and participated in the discussions of the divine trinity and in their eternal plans to bring redemption to humankind. When he came to this earth, he came to this earth not like a prophet who would be, have some truth revealed to him by God in a limited way. Jesus came understanding every bit of God's truth that could be understood. Knowing it perfectly inside and out. Knowing the counsels of God's heart. Knowing God's essence and personality because he himself was God. Jesus understood it perfectly. He has a superior message because he understands it all. 
and he speaks with divine authority. You see, the, the scribes and Pharisees, one of the things that kind of got on their nerves was the fact that Jesus spoke with authority. The people loved it. He, Jesus would say, you've heard it said this, but I say to you. And the people thought, man, this guy's great. But the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes didn't like it. They thought that Jesus should be referring to somebody else. But see, they didn't understand who Jesus was. Jesus didn't need to refer to somebody because he wrote the Bible. And he knew all that was going on in heaven. He didn't need to consult a commentary. He didn't need to go look and read a book somewhere by some expert. Jesus was the supreme expert. His superior message. This means that Jesus should be listened to more than anyone else you will ever know. How do we listen to Jesus? Well, we listen to Jesus in the pages of his word, in the gospels that he's given us. And, of course, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. But we also listen to Jesus through his Holy Spirit who lives within us. Christ lives within us. Uh, He's seated at the right hand of God in his glory, but because he's omnipresent, he can also live in the hearts of his people. So, listen to his superior message and trust him because of this superior message. So, why trust Jesus, his supernatural existence, his divine ability, his superior message, his urgent commission? Verse 34. For whom, the one whom God sent, the one whom God sent. Now, the word sent here is the same word that's used of sending apostles, okay? Um, But Jesus is the one God sent. Yes, he sent 12 men who were apostles. But before they could be sent, Jesus had to be sent. Before the gospel could be proclaimed, the gospel had to be enacted. Jesus had to die at the cross. Jesus had to rise from the dead. Otherwise, there would be no gospel. But his urgent commission, God sent Jesus. When you send an ambassador somewhere, you you try to send somebody who represents you well, right? You want somebody who will do a good job. Who will make a good impression, who will be persuasive, uh, who, can, who can advocate for the causes of your nation. The same thing is true in heaven. When God looked through heaven, there's nobody he could find that could compare to Jesus. <laughs> so he said, son, I'm going to send you down there to those people uh, to reach them and uh, to die. And Jesus willingly, he said, nobody, nobody's forcing me. I lay my life down freely. Jesus willingly participated in that plan. But uh, his urgent commission is that God sent him. I want to tell you something. If Jesus hadn't come, every single one of us in this place would split hell wide open. There would be no hope for mankind for eternity without Jesus. If Jesus hadn't come, the lives of thousands upon millions, of however many, have, have come to faith in Christ Over the centuries, both before and after his coming, those who've been changed by his power would not have been changed. Can you imagine what the world would be like today if Jesus hadn't come? 
the urgent commission. I'm gonna see, I want you to see it as an urgent commission, though, because he also saw you. <laughs> Isn't it great that our God's a personal God? Um, I love the fact that God says in his word that he foreknew us. Foreknew us. That's a Bible word. Jesus knew us before creation began. It wasn't just that he knew that you would come to faith. He did know that. But he knew you personally. Now, I don't, I, that's something that's hard to wrap your mind around. And I'm not sure I, I, I can completely wrap my mind around that. But one thing I do know is that before God ever said, let there be light, God knew who I was. And he had a plan to send Jesus. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Why? Because that was always God's plan before creation ever took place. To send Jesus to redeem us. Can you? Does that not boggle your mind? Now listen, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything from God. And yet God in his goodness, in his love, in his mercy, saw me perfectly as I was and said, I sinned my son for you. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get excited here if I keep on. I, what an amazing thing. God saw you and it was urgent enough for him to send Jesus. There was an old song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Listen, we were on his mind long before the cross. Or, he was seeking me. That's an old song. He was seeking me. It was old for me. Old to some of you. It wasn't old to me. (laughs) But anyway. Uh, His urgent commission. So trust Jesus because God, listen, God has sent the best he has. God has sent the most precious person. Listen, what does Revelation tell us about Jesus? There'll be a discussion about opening the seals to begin the the procession through the tribulation period according to the book of Revelation. And they'll look through heaven and earth and everywhere and there'll be nobody worthy to open the seals. And John in his vision, he's crying and he's weeping. There's nobody worthy. There's nobody worthy. And then he said, but look, the lamb is worthy to open the seals. Only one person in all of creation worthy to carry out the plan of God. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one that God sent for you. Is that not mind-blowing? Wow. That blows my mind. Uh, His urgent commission. So you ought to trust Jesus because he is the one whom God sent. So trust him because of his supernatural existence, his divine ability, his superior message, his urgent commission. Next, his unique anointing. Look at verse 34. For the one whom God sent speaks God's words since he gives the Spirit without measure. Since he gives the Spirit without measure. So the Father anoints Jesus. By the way, that's what Christ means, anointed one. That's what Messiah means, anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. He's the one who's anointed above all else. 
and all others. You say, well, if Jesus is the Son of God, why does he need an anointing? Well, Jesus chose to live in dependence upon God by faith, just like you and I lived in his earthly nature. And so God sent the Spirit so that Jesus would trust the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. And by the way, that's why he can teach you how to walk in the Spirit, because he knows. But guess what you have? Whenever you hear the words of Jesus, you have the witness of two members of the divine trinity. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. As they speak the truth. So Jesus speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks, and he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father gives Jesus a perfect anointing. Now, I sin, and so do you. There's not a single one of us in this place who, who has consistently a perfect anointing from God because we quench the Spirit of God. We have to confess it and ask God to fill us with the Spirit again because we mess it up all the time. Jesus never had that problem because he was sinless. God gave him a perfect anointing so that the Holy Spirit spoke through him and so that Jesus gives his testimony perfectly. You ought to trust Jesus because, listen, sometimes I hear preachers. Uh, I heard one preacher, this kind of upset me a little bit. He said, Jesus and Paul should have listened to me. That's what he said. I thought, who do you think you are? Jesus doesn't need to listen to you, buddy. I don't, I don't know what, you, what you've been drinking, but Jesus doesn't need to listen to you. You need to listen to Jesus. But some people will claim this great anointing of God, and they'll tell you to do what goes against the Word of God. Don't listen. Jesus has a perfect anointing. He's the only person who ever has. Read His Word. Listen to Him as He speaks to your heart. And trust him. Next, trust him because of his complete possession. Verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. What's he given to Jesus? All things. What does that mean in Greek? All things. Okay. All things. There's not one good thing that can come to you from God that doesn't come through Jesus. When Joseph was promoted to second in command over the land of Egypt, Pharaoh said, there will not be the sole of a foot that rises or falls without your permission, Joseph. I've made you Lord of all the land of Egypt. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And I've given my authority into your hands. And he said to his people, do whatever he tells you to do. You see, he was preparing for famine. And the only way they would get their food in famine was to come to Joseph. Uh, a few years ago, I was watching a TV program. Some of y'all will know what I'm talking about when I mention this. But there was this guy that made this incredible soup. And, I mean, it was just wonderful. There was no soup like it in New York City. But the guy was just a jerk. I mean, he, he was abrasive. He was rude. They called him the soup Nazi. In order to get the soup... You had to deal with the soup Nazi. And so the whole show was about these people going through all these 
this difficulty because they wanted that soup so badly, they had to deal with the soup Nazi. Well, praise God, Jesus is not like the soup Nazi. He is perfect, and he is delightful to the human soul. But in order to receive anything from God, you have to come to Jesus. Because God has given everything into his hand. Everything. Jesus is the person who has the goods. You see, in Joseph's day, if you had gone to one of Joseph's brothers, they couldn't have helped you. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have all the food stored up in Egypt. You had to go to Joseph. Why? Because he was the one that Pharaoh had given all this authority to and that the people had given all of the grain and so forth that was necessary. You've got to come to Jesus. People in this world say you can go, you can do different religions, you can do all these things uh, to, to have eternal life, but that's not true. God has given everything into the hand of Jesus. If you don't come to Jesus, you're not going to get it. That's just the way it is. All things have been entrusted into his hands. That's why you ought to trust him. Trust him because he's able to deliver on his promises. And finally, trust him because of his eternal blessing. Look at verse 36. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. But the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son. The word rejects. Some translations will say does not believe uh, or is not persuaded or is disobedient. These are all good. It's, a different, it's actually a different word than the word in the first part of the statement. One who believes in the Son comes from a different Greek root than the one who rejects or does not believe. And the word is a lot broader. And it shows that the one who truly believes in Jesus is persuaded by him, will be changed on the end so there's a new desire to follow Jesus and obey him, uh, and uh, will accept Jesus. That fits right in with John 1.12, right? As many as received him, to them gave he the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Jesus can give the gift of eternal life. Now, it's one thing for if I was to say to you, I can give you the gift of eternal life, you'd probably think, well, yeah, right, <laughs> who do you think you are, right? But if I am put to death and I rise from the dead, and then I say I can give you eternal life, you might stop and listen, right? That's what Jesus has done for us. He died on the cross to bear the wrath of God so we wouldn't have to bear it. To take the justice of God upon himself so we wouldn't have to receive the justice we deserve for sin. And then he rose again in glorious, mighty power. He is the one who gives eternal life. That's why you ought to trust Jesus. So, why should you trust Jesus? Trust him. There's his supernatural existence, his divine ability, his superior message, his 
urgent commission, his unique anointing, his complete possession, and his eternal blessing. (laughs) Jesus is the fountain of all good things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us a Savior who is so trustworthy. Father, uh, for, for those who may be in this place today that don't know Jesus Christ uh, or who may be watching online that don't know him, I pray that today would be the day they would trust Jesus. They would choose to turn from their sin and their own way to follow Christ and receive the gift of eternal life. Uh, for those of us here today that do know Jesus, God, I pray that we would trust you in our daily lives. Lord, help us not to live anxious, distraught lives, God, that, uh, but instead, Lord, help us enter your rest as we bring these things to you in prayer.